We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, coming at you with another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast on, we're recording this, on, where is it? Oh, there it is. It is Valentine's Day morning, even though we're coming at you on a Monday. So I wish my co-host all the love in the world on this on this special day filled with love and love that's about it, I guess. Jeremy Cohen, how are you? I'm That's doing great, you. John. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the uh, the heart. It's very cute. Uh, much my love daughter to you put too. these all around the house. There's like oh, randomly on my walls. There's little heart stickers everywhere. You're gonna find those stickers for like the next twelve years, and then you're gonna be like, oh, that's from that day. That's cool. It's from, yeah, basically. Yeah. But yeah, everything. You know, it's a nice day. Beautiful out. Um, Knicks have won two in a row. We're gonna have a great conversation. Yes. What, what what's not enjoyable about today? I'm having a beer at eleven in the morning. Very nice. I'm not, as I just brushed my teeth, but I respect you. <laughs> I mean, I've been up since since six, so it's like it's you know it's further enough, far enough. By the way, I um, I just thought of this because my wife got me a bottle of Johnny Walker Black for Valentine's Day. Did you get a present from your significant other? No, um, we're uh, I'll see her next Saturday, but we don't, we don't generally do Valentine's Day gifts. Um, okay. we, we really never have. I think the only the, the first thing that we've done, maybe the only thing was around the time we started dating. Uh, I got her. She loves Stephen Colbert. So I got her the Americone Dream Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Nice. And that, I'm convinced that like clinched it. And since then, I've, I've you know, it's just been downhill from there. But the point is like, that's where, that's how I, I made my way in. And now it's like, you can't leave. I'm sorry. I well, already, I already clinched it. 
if and when you get married, you, you kind of have to do some kind of gift for Valentine's Day. I'm just going to yes warn you, you know, that the, the days of getting away easy or those those are done. <laughs> um, but uh, big shout out to my wife, um, your girlfriend, for not minding that we do a little podcasting on this Valentine's Day um, so that our our loyal listeners can have something to start their week with. Um and I, it's a good transition because I think this is one of those, you know, you look at our, um, or so Andrew Claudio tells me, you look at our download uh, numbers. He, he apparently is obsessed with these things. And he's like, you take one look at the numbers and you could tell when the Knicks are winning and when the Knicks are losing. And this feels like, not because of anything we do, um, but this feels like a day that a lot of people are going to tune in because I feel like the vibe, I feel like the vibe is really good right now. Right. When's I'm trying to think five and three was great or five and three. Yeah, they were five, five and three, five and three was great, but there was still a lot of the, Oh, this is fool's gold. It's early. Like, honestly, I can't remember the last time things felt this good. Right. Yeah. I would say that it's, you know, it constantly feels like, well, when's that other shoe going to drop? And a little bit. Yeah. We're what? 28 games into the season now. And we keep talking about the proverbial second shoe. And, you know, I mean, it's going, there are going to be instances, right? You know, there, there were some potential three point drop off, but that wasn't significant. Obviously the Knicks have now lost Mitchell Robinson and Nerland's Noel is no Mitchell Robinson. So I'd be very curious to see what the defense will look like against a team that isn't uh, injured and anemic on offense, like the Houston Rockets uh, or the second half of the wizards. So, but it's a sort of thing where, I don't see how you can look at what we're seeing and be disappointed unless your sole objective is to tank the year away. Because right now we're seeing what one injection of just quality lead guard play in the right usage can do for an entire unit and as a result, an entire team. Uh, and, and it's it's fantastic to see. And I, I know we'll talk about it more. So I'll turn it back over to you, but I, I, yes, I don't know how you can be really upset by the quality that's on the court and the fact that it's also manifesting as wins. Yeah. I mean, and listen, we, you do this every week, so I'll steal your thunder um, in terms of the, the tanking conversation. I'm not sure how I, I think that ship well, no, I don't want to say that ship may have sailed because, and again, this is what you always do, whereas they are only a game and a half back, as we record this right now on Sunday morning, only a game and a half back of fourth in the East. They are also a game and a half up on 11th um, in the East. So it is, you know, it, it's, again, you mentioned they just lost Mr. Robinson, which is, I probably buried the lead by by not bringing that up first. Um, so, but I just, I, I'm, gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm not sure how this team tanks from here. What has to happen? Like, I, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's I the second shoe, but yeah. You know. I still don't think there is really a quote unquote way to tank unless you trade Julius Randle, which the yeah. Knicks are not going to do. No. Um, if Julius Randle, you know, gets injured, which we knock on wood does not happen. Close call last night, by the way, when uh, who was that Tate fell on his leg. Yeah, that was definitely scary. Um, Oh my God. So, you know, if something happens to him, then you're, it's a different conversation, but otherwise, you know, the Knicks aren't going to tank. And that's the thing you can sell pieces without necessarily tanking. Like Alec Burks, his opportunities are opening up. He's just not hitting shots, but you can see what would happen if he's able to hit those shots. Uh, And based on his track record, 
it should catch up with him. Um, but if a team comes calling about Alec Burks and you feel like, well, we've been able to get by without him, we could do better with him, but like, we'll take the future asset instead that that's a different situation or basically saying like, we've got all of this cap space to take on like a Kelly Oubre. So for example, I, when Draymond Green went down, I thought, Holy crap. That could be the Warriors' season right there. Oh, yeah. Fortunately comes back, starts the second half. But you know, if something happens to a team like the Warriors and they say, well, we don't really want to half-ass this. Uh, we'd rather keep our pick because it's protected. Um, and we'd rather not have to pay an insane amount in luxury taxes. So then let's ship Ubre out. Something along those lines where, again, like the only dynamics I'm really curious about are the margins moves. If the Knicks are really going to um, take in players uh, purely from a salary standpoint, because it, the reality is I don't see them making any big moves. And I think that the Derek Rose trade, if anything, it really instilled more confidence in me because it showed that this was a good player who the Knicks really weren't willing to give up much for. No. And they showed some level of prudence and I'd, I'd like to think they continue with that. Um, but it's, it's why I don't see them being big players yet because it's still, as we continuously say, it's the first year of the Rose administration. Yeah. There's no need to rush for us. It's, you know, the umpteenth or 20 something, 30 something, you know, that goes on and on. Um, But for, for Leon Rose and company, there's no rush. And I think that's the other thing too. Um, When you look at the talent that the Knicks have gotten in the draft, I mean, first headline, of course, by Emmanuel quickly, but then, and we'll talk about him too, Obi Toppin and how we're starting to see some progress too. You then think like, okay, well, if we're able to see what they can do with those types of players, then what can they do with other draft picks? And, you know, you always want to take quality over quantity and we're getting into a different discussion, but the point here is that if you're able to really build it from the ground up and you have confidence in the people around you to do that, then there's no reason to rush it. And, you know, so if you're not going to be buyers and you're not going to be huge sellers, there's a middle ground and you can still be a competitive basketball team and a, a winning basketball team to an extent where you're able to develop your core and not have to do anything rash. And I, I think that's a really, I don't want to say it's a fine line because I think there's um, there's some, like you can dance around that quite yeah. a bit. Because um, even now the, the Derrick Rose move, it's not really a win now move. I mean, it's well, not, not a win now move. But look at the development that's going on in the second unit. And you can point to that saying like, it, they're winning, but how how win now is it? It's a be better in the moment. Like, so I think we need to separate out these conversations. And and I'm thinking of um, the back and forth that Ian Begley and Zach Lowe had on uh, Zach's podcast last week, which if anybody hasn't listened to, I'd strongly recommend. It's Their conversation is only about a half an hour. It's very good. And I think so often, I do at least, as fans get caught up in, it's it has to be one of the the poles, the polar opposites. Either you are making tanking moves, or you are mortgaging everything for a, a, something to you know, like the the Bradley Beal trade, right? Whereas what the what Leon Rose did with this free agency, and what he did again with the Derek Rose um, tra- uh, trade, is essentially like we're we're gonna we are gonna try to have our cake and eat it too, in which we're not giving up anything that matters to us. We're not giving up financial flexibility. Forget about future financial flexibility. They don't even give financial flexibility now with these, with these contracts, Alec Burke, 6 million, uh, New Orleans, well, whatever, 5 million, you know, so we're not giving up anything. You know, the Hornets pick at this rate is going to be, I don't know, 45, 46, something like that. Um, But we are getting better now, which is, I think 
those types of moves have this reputation that like for a lot of fans fall under this larger umbrella of, well, you're just, you're just getting on the treadmill of mediocrity to borrow. Uh, who was that? I'm not sure if it was Kevin O'Connor. Someone from the ringer came up with that a few years ago. Um, like what's the point? The point is to be better in the interim. And I think for, for most NBA franchises, if all NBA franchises, if you're not a competitor, but you can be, be competent and be competitive on most nights. That's what you want. No franchise sets out to lose games intentionally. And where there are pivots that you could start to do that in the last 10 to 15 games, play the young guys, this, that, and the other thing, like that's a conversation for then. Like even, and we've, we talked about this. It seems like forever ago now, but like Steve Mills and Scott Perry did not intend to go out and win 17 games two years ago. They thought that was going to be a 30-win team. Um, They were very wrong. In any case, like, this is, I think, what you want to see. And if the the downfall of it is we're not going to be guaranteed a top-five pick, we probably, the odds, let me rephrase that, the odds do not say that we are likely to end up with a top-five, six-seven pick. Um, I think that's okay if you believe in your front office and you believe in their ability to evaluate talent and then develop that talent once it's here, which is why for me, like if like the people you referred to to start the show about the, the pro tankers being the only ones who are upset, I just I don't think that's a tenable position. And maybe that's me being naive, but that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I would say also that the beauty of having a player like Derek Rose and subsequently winning as a result of it is you make your team that much more appealing to prospective free agents because we know how much cap space the Knicks are going to have. But this idea of like, you know, you could go to a a moribund team that was crap, or you could go to a team that's on the rise that has some promising young talent. And you could actually show like, Hey, this is what it looks like when we have a lead guard who can excel. And that's in the second unit. So if you are, are appealing to a point guard, who's out there and saying like, so look at what we can do in the second unit. Now think about what we can do with you in the first <laughs> unit, in the starting lineup or to, you know, a shooter of some sort, the Knicks need some, some backcourt help, especially in the starting backcourt. So Hold on, like, let me Google Mike Connolly's age. Keep talking. 33, but that's all right. <laughs> at least he will be next year. Um, the idea of course, be an all-star Mike Connolly, I by the so. way, he, it would he's, be very in, deserved. he's absolutely in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Note that. Um, so, you know, we're getting some sort of shooter who could be out there being like, well, look at what we're assembling and we can partner you with, with maybe it's Emmanuel quickly. Maybe it's another point guard, whoever it might be like, there are going to be opportunities for you and we're going to start winning. It's going to be on the rise as demonstrated by what we've been able to do in one year. And that's a really awesome thing to do. And I, I seem to recall, I think I've got the second name right, but I remember hearing at some point, like maybe, I don't know, within the last year or two, where it was like players were asked which players they love and respect without a doubt. And there were mm-hmm. two guys that came to mind. Again, the first one I, I believe was Jamal Crawford. And the second that guy was right. Derek Rose. That sounds right. Yeah. And so it's, it's you know, I, I think that players – look at other situations and that they could look at, if they respect Derek Rose, they look up to Derek Rose, especially the younger guys. There's a way where it just changes who you are. It changes your, your brand. It changes your vibes. It, it actually matters when the time comes and it's right now is kind of like a product. The competition against the Knicks has obviously been lackluster. I mean, you could say really all of the games that they played this past week, all three of them. And even, 
the prior heat game, the heat are a better team on paper, but they're just, they're, you know, they just haven't put it together yet. I think those heat games, I think the heat are coming on and I know the heat just got smoked by Utah, but everybody gets smoked by Utah. I guess the idea of, you know, whether it be COVID, whether it be just, I mean, COVID's probably the number one reason, but, you know, the fact that they are not where they, anywhere close to where they were no. just in the regular season. Re- Record-wise, no, they're not. Right. They're getting on their way back. But even so, if you want to say that the Heat are a much better team or a better team than the Knicks, yeah. the fact that they hung so close, the fact that in yeah. the game this week, they were just absolutely destroyed by by the Heat getting foul call after foul call. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I often don't like saying, well, the refs, you know, we're responsible for this, but I don't know how you can look at that game and they were jobbed. say that they they weren't getting jobbed. Right. So that sort of idea where if the Knicks really were maybe like one RJ Barrett finish and a couple other, I mean, you could just say the RJ Barrett finish, but even factoring or not factoring in the fact that there were so many other egregious calls out there, a three and a week, then, you know, and we're a 500 a, record, right. We're looking at 14 to 14 team. And suddenly it's like, the Knicks can't lose with Tarek Rose. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it's refreshing to be able to talk about it. Even if the competition, the last two games was weak because, but, and I just also just quickly yeah. uh, not Emmanuel, but just in general, um, <laughs> I think Washington is truly the place where young Knicks players careers like go downhill. First we get the Frank 2010 game. And then of course the season ends like two, what two games later? A game later. Was, after the that? Hawks game was two two nights later. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, you get Mitchell Robinson having a career night. I mean, that's a be- it's a. Let's say what it is. It was the best, was the best he's best ever looked. Yeah. yeah I mean, he he was probably going to get something like twenty and twenty. He was going to feast, and of course, you know, breaks his hand, boxers fracture, out for what four to six weeks. Four I think to, four to six weeks, which the whether it's four or six is going to make a difference. Um. Yeah, that's that's a pretty let's let's not go to Washington anymore. Um, <laughs> nothing good happens in the nation's capital. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Um, I you know, here's the thing. We, we two things. One, we we've kind of glossed over the Robinson injury so far, and that's because I just in my in my bones. I think they will be able to withstand this, and I think they'll be able to withstand it. And I went through it on the post game. Um, after the, the Washington win, uh, the schedule is, is favorable um, from now until the break. We obviously don't know what the schedule is going to be after the break. They don't play a lot of really good offensive teams. And I think we saw last night, no, well, Noel does not, uh, and uh, I'm referring to the Rockets game, um, well, Noel does not protect the rim um, anywhere like Mitch does, and he doesn't have the length and just like kind of gravitational aura about him to almost single-handedly stymie pick and rolls. Um, He is, and Tibbs touched on this after the game briefly. He can do some different things. He's a, I think he's a little bit better when like coming up to guard um, the screen, like, you know, uh, maybe hedging, trapping, whatever you want to call it. So I do think they're going to have some cards to play here with Noel as the starting center. Um, And he also, you know, blocks his fair, fair, fair share of shots and gets his, he swipes a ton of balls too. Um, so that's, that's one thing. I don't think they're going to fall off as much as maybe some people think. Um, and the, the other thing in regards to these two games against the wizards and the Rockets, yes, the Knicks kicked the shit out of two teams that they should have kicked the shit out of, but how many, when's the last time we could say, Oh, the Knicks have two games against teams that they should be kick the shit out of. And they actually did what they're supposed to do. Like that's to me a yet another indication of how they're different this year. 
Um, I, I, as far as were there anything that's happened over the last week, the Derek Rose acquisition, the Mitch injury, the fact that they're, they now have a positive net rating. How you doing? Um, should change how they approach anything from here on in. I, I don't like, is there anything they're going to like, what's the, what's the craziest thing you could see? Like, I mean, really, like, is there any, any other thing other than getting in the bill? conversation if and when that conversation happens like what else are we looking at for them to do even i don't i don't know Honestly, yeah I, I i'm not sure i don't see them making some big move right now what are, what other big i can't even like is be it's, it's, it's like sorry, Beal, levine that's and and the thing about levine is that people kind of he's not on the market he's going to be moved and yeah. and chicago may have no reason to do that um so yeah it's really just you know i mean Everyone's always focused on that next star. The moment that James Harden was traded, Kevin O'Connor came out with an article almost instantaneously. Yeah. It was like Bradley Beal, the next star on the market. And it's like, but well, he wasn't wrong. He, no, he wasn't. But it's this idea, of course, where it's like we always have to focus on which player needs to be quote unquote freed from their environment. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, well, maybe Washington wants to just try to make it work first. You know, I'm sure they see the writing on the walls. But, but that doesn't mean that they can't be like, well, we've built around Bradley Beal this long. Let's try to make something work without, you know, going overboard and, and risk losing him for nothing or for a minimal package. I mean, you know, you're still seeing what he would cost in terms of the layout. I, I think Stefan Bondi uh, talked to someone who basically broke it down. And I, I think that something, just while we're on the topic, something that Knicks fans need to keep in mind is, yes, the Knicks have a lot of picks and they have a lot of assets that are available at their disposal. But there's a very big difference between having the quality of assets and having the quantity, the quantity. of assets. Yeah. Because, you know, if I keep seeing um, the Knicks giving up like three picks and not a single one of them is a top 10 pick and adding Frank and Knox into that deal, I'm going to blow my fucking brains out. Please. Wow, it's, it's Jeremy, do cursing it. on Valentine's Day. What can I say? Um, it, not, you know, it's, it's that sort of want. thing where you you have to just think about if you want quality, you need to send quality back. You're and not that, getting Bradley Beal without sending Emmanuel quickly or RJ Barrett. Exactly. You're that's, getting, and, and just this, stop the say, conversation. That's, that's right. That's, and you can say Mitchell Robinson, but here's the thing. It's Mitch it has to Mitchell get Robinson. Mitch, right. Right. But, but again, Mitch also has to get paid what these teams love, especially rebuilding ones is rookie contracts because it's cheap labor and you don't have to do much with it. And you've got so many more years of, of time, like Emmanuel quickly. I don't want to trade him. I don't think any fan does. I understand why the idea of a, of a star or a superstar, but with quickly, you've got three more years of him on his rookie contract making, and it, it, you know, so Mitchell Robinson on. money. I was about to say about. there's rookie, there's RJ Barrett rookie contract. And then there's Emmanuel quickly rookie contract right. where RJ where quickly is making as much in the next three years as RJ Barrett will make like in one season. So, yes. And the other factor is that when you're two years away from RJ Barrett being a restricted free agent, which means that you have, six to seven years of team control versus someone like Emmanuel quickly, where you have seven to eight additional years of team control outside of this one. So that's, that's why teams are going to look towards good picks and, you know, young, like, you know, first year, second year players because of the fact that they have so much team control, because look at the fact that we're seeing so many players, you know, either force their way out or be traded because you want to hang on to those players as long as you can. So to shift back, uh, shift back. Um, I, I thought I said shift, but you if can't I didn't stop cursing, once yeah, the guess. floodgates open, it really does. Um, Body mouth time. I think that, you know, with Mitch, it'll be the Knicks survive. They won't thrive. You know, I don't, I don't want 
people to think that Nerlens Noel can just replace him, but I do think no. it it will be interesting to examine what the Knicks do look like without Mitch, because again, this is and this is not me advocating. This is just me saying. In the event that we're looking at the roster and the Knicks want to make changes, we just don't know. That's something that they should consider, at least. And I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't trade Mitchell Robinson. I think he means too much to what they're doing. It's and all no a re- negotiation. Exactly. This is all a negotiation. These right. fucking agents are watching this the same way we're watching it. Of you course. Know? Of course. Um, so, you know, in that sense of the team can get by and, and judging by the schedule. And yes, we don't know the um, the second half schedule exactly yet. Um, I'd be, but I'd be curious as well, based on what the timeline is, because they could, they could very easily sell it as uh, closer to that six week window of, we just really want to take our time with Mitch, which could a, you know, um, affect what they're able to do in the standings and b potentially affect just, just a little bit his contract. But I don't think that's the path they want to go. I think they are much more concerned about if he's healthy, let's play him because he makes us better. And that's what we want to be. And I, and I, I cannot knock that train of thought no matter what, because that is how you build a winning team. And and the the track record this year is already such that um, they're not going to hold guys out unnecessarily because Obi Toppin, if you remember with his injury, he went pretty quickly from all right, he's back doing five on five contract drills to he was in he was available to play and did play within a few days. So I don't think they're going to do anything like uh, we'll we'll slow it. Like they'll make sure he's healthy, but. I think when he's ready to play, he'll be ready to play. Just one more thing on the Beal bit, because you know you always got to pay attention to this stuff. I'm, I don't, I don't even consider Oladipo in this conversation. If you're looking around at losing teams and and like who's the next guy, it's it's who might ask out. It's it's you know it's Carl Anthony Towns basically, um, and he has three more years after this one. He's a free agent in 2024. But see, that's the thing. I think that a big reason. So yeah, three well, more years after after this one. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, okay. Yes. Right. 21, 21, 21, 22. Yes. You're right. Yeah, okay. Um, but I think, and I think that's a big thing with Beal is that a lot of a big reason why he will probably fetch more than he should, arguably, um, is that if you look at the market on free agents who are, or excuse, on trade targets who are available. There's no one who comes close to him. And, no. and I don't necessarily mean that in like Bradley Beal so well, good. That it, it's it just, Towns is the next potential guy. Right. And you usually ask out. Yeah. Right. And you usually wait about a year before those guys are free agents. You know, you could do two, but two is asking for a lot because you'd have to give up a ton um, to get that type of player. And since there's no young player in 2023 where a team would be willing to nope. trade that player off, like I think, again, the, the big reason why. There's it's, the idea of Beal is like, well, if we don't get Beal, then we have to wait even longer. It's like, well, yeah, okay, so so we can wait a little bit longer. That's that's okay. The timing will line up perfectly. You can figure something out. And I, I think that just from a team building philosophy, I understand the the desire of like, well, getting someone like him in the building, you can get better, and then you can you can improve, and then showcase yourself to other free agents. You've got two years to make that work. But if something doesn't happen, that's great in two years. Teams feel stale. A year and a half because he's, he's due. Right. But I'm saying like, sure. I'm saying like 2023, the first time when there would be a good free agent class. If you bring Bradley and Beal. Oh, Bradley I see. Beal if, now, assuming, assuming you re-sign Beal, you have two years to, right. to improve. Okay. I got you. Right. So you want to say, well, we're building with Beal and then we can go out and get a free agent. Hmm. 
but there's a staleness to that. The idea of like, well, if something doesn't work, it's okay. Yeah, I know Bradley Beal's a Nick. It's the shine kind of wears off a bit. Like, think about the idea of when the Knicks traded for Carmelo Anthony, and then the following off season, uh, they signed Tyson Chandler because it happened so quickly that it felt like, oh, you know, this is one piece. This is the next piece. Yeah. That time isn't going to be as short. It's going to be longer because of the fact that the talent is not going to be. Um, similar. It's, it's going to be a huge gap in talent. And I think the big thing for me is that you avoid that potential staleness by just, if you did this in 2023 of looking at the free agent class and trading for a player who is, you know, in the last year of his contract, where you're able to just pair guys up and build a super team together because guys like joining forces, they don't necessarily like going to another guy's team. It, it can happen, of course, but the idea of like linking up is, is very appealing and players like to have that power of I'm choosing you like Kawhi went to LA and said, I'm choosing to go here, but yeah. you're also getting me Paul George yeah. or, you know, the fact that Kevin Durant was like, I'm going to, I'm willing to go to New York and Kyrie Irving said, I want to go to Brooklyn. Let's go to Brooklyn. And they both went to Brooklyn. That ability to pick your co-star is, is a power trip and rightfully so they deserve to do that at that level. So, making sure everything kind of happens in one fell swoop or one window, it makes a lot more sense than like getting your guy and then hoping to bring in the next guy if that next guy likes what he sees and can elevate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The team. Um yep. So that's where I'm at with it. No, I, I think it's 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 really well said. We're we're gonna keep beating this because it's just it, a lot of people. The, the more they win, the more people will be like, go get go trade for Bradley Beal. And and it's it's when when you when there's pushback on that, it has nothing to do with the fact that we don't think Bradley Beal is an amazing player. He is, or that he is not in theory worth whatever the price is going to be for him if the situation is right. I think our our point is that the situation right now is not quite right. And you only get one shot at, at with the, with this level of move, right? This this kind of all in play, and you better make sure it's it's you know it's the right time to do it. Very very briefly, I do want to just touch on you know because we're again they're they're thirteen and fifteen, the Knicks have a positive net rating. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a live live quiz. Uh, you have not seen the answers to this quiz. All right. Um, there have been seven, this is the eighth season since the 2012, 13 year, um, in which they won 54 games of those, the seven seasons between that year and this year, how many other times 
do you think the Knicks have had a even or better net rating um, this late into the season? I want to say, I feel like the 16, excuse me, the, the 17, 18 season, the beginning of that, when they were what, like 18 and 14? Uh, they topped out at 16 and 13 after they beat um, the um, uh, Thunder without Kristaps Porzingis um, in right. Melo. I think that was Melo's return game to the Garden. Yeah, they were. That was their. That was their high point record-wise. Yes, but the fact that you're saying record-wise makes me believe that their net rating was negative. I'm, listen, I'm, this is a quiz. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever taken a quiz before. The, the answers do not come until you've turned in your paper. Oh, thank you, uh, Mr. Macri. Yes, I, I'm going to go with, since the playoff run at this point later, I'm going to go with, let's say, three. Three times. Uh, that would be one time. So you, you're only off by two. Your instinct was correct. During the 2017-18 season, they maintained um, a positive net rating until, I have it up right here, um, until game number 37. They were 18 and 19 when their, when their rating fell to dead even, and then after that, it started to go into the negative. Um, see, you let me trick you. When they were 16 and 13, they absolutely had a positive net rating, so... Um, that was that was the one time they've they've maintained it this late in the season. The two other times I just want to highlight very briefly um, in the um, 2015-16 season, which was Derek Fisher's last year. Um, they were actually hovering about 500 for a while, but they last had a, a positive net rating when they were 10 and 10. Um, so after, after 20 games, so obviously not as deep into the season as this year. And the only other one for people who were thinking, oh, well, wait a minute in 2016, 17, Derek Rose's first go around, they were 16 and 13 after, um, 29 games they were, but they had a, that was all fool's gold. And after, uh, when they had that 16 and 13 record, um, their net rating was minus 2.7. So yeah, this is, there's, there's, you know, it's, it's, that, that's, that's what you should look at. Like, yes, they're 13 to 15. That was 16 and 13. This is a better team. This is a better performance. Last thing I want to say before we move on to progress report, and then we'll, we'll get out of here with some uh, Valentine's day love letters. Um, a few people I feel like on my live streams, and I, th- I think maybe even you on a previous podcast have brought up the comparison to Mike Miller. Um, with what Tibbs is doing right now. What it like, you know, is it that different than Miller? I went and looked up what is the best stretch of games that Miller had coaching a Knicks team that had a fairly easy schedule and that, you know, faced some teams that were already starting to tank. It was um, last year from, make sure I got this right, um, December 11th when he got his first win as Knicks coach against the Warriors until February 8th. So that was a span of 29 games. So one more game than Tibbs has, has coached Um, the net rate. Do you want to guess what the net rating was for that 29 game span? Again, 13 and 16 record over that time. So about what they have now. What's that? Negative two and a half. Negative 3.2, which was 22nd in the league over that time. So, you know, and that's not to disparage Mike Miller, but I, I just, you know, I am Mr. 
Let's Give Tips is Due. And this is my weekly edition of Let's Give Tips is Due. And I guess this will then be my weekly follow-up of saying, Please. it's not about not giving tips is due. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, about it's, talking yeah. about what was before yes. and, and what's here now and, and still asking the right questions. That's all. We'll go back and forth until we die. It's okay it's about, about just this topic. It won't even matter anymore. You know, 40 the, the years gentle, now. The gentle matter. pushback of Jeremy Cohen. It's just, it's like <laughs> the warm blanket that I need to cover me at night. Um, all right. So let's do <laughs> It's knitted with love for Valentine's Day. So there you are. It just gets more ridiculous every week. It's, it, gosh, oh God, what are we doing here? Um, a quick progress report. Uh, all right, who do you want to talk about first? Quickly, OB, or let's talk about Quickly. Um, yeah. Quickly had a hell of a game last night. He had 22 points on nine shots. I, I went and looked up when's the last time, and Nick had 20, 20 points on nine. Or Sorry, who's the youngest Nick to have 20 points on uh, nine shots or fewer? You want to take a guess at who it is? Someone that played for the team this century. Youngest Nick? Yeah, youngest Nick to have 20 or more on nine shots or less. Man, I, I'm... He's a stallion. Oh, okay. Was it Gallo? Yeah, it was Gallo. Yeah. Gallo was, had two of the three, and then our, our boy Frank um, had his 20-point his game uh, last season. His only 20-point game of his career, as it were. Game on nine shots. Um, as his career so far. Excuse me. He's not playing in Europe yet. <laughs> uh Really nice performance from from quickly. I feel like the partnership. I think he's. I honestly think he might benefit from playing with Rose as much as anyone because he doesn't have to do all the work um, with the ball in his hands. And now there's someone else there who can obviously draw some attention. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say there is about, about Manuel Quickly. He's really good. Anything you want to point out? Yeah, I just the sheer efficiency. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was thinking this, but I didn't necessarily want to tweet it out because I didn't I didn't want to rag on Alfred Payton because he did have a good game um, but the idea of like I always feel like Alfred Payton his success is um, is like he usually is like a point per shot guy where you know maybe he'll finish with like like on a good game he'll be yeah. what like 20 points and 19 shots or something along those lines because he doesn't hit threes and he doesn't get to the line right so, yeah and for quickly it's always like we're comparing his points to his minutes and it feels like he often comes closer to like averaging a point per minute than he does a point per shot. And, you know, I mean, just the way that he's able to play so efficiently having this, this dual backcourt or this dual point guard backcourt and the opportunities that arise and how you're able to play with someone who was the youngest MVP of all time and learn from them and, and grow. It's, um, it's just fantastic to watch. Um, and I, you know, we'll talk about him in a second too, but it's hard to really, it's hard to identify what is real with Derek Rose because it has only been three games and the presence he's had has been so fantastic that you can't really parse out necessarily what's maybe not going super well or what is going well, but maybe isn't here to stay. Uh, the three-man lineup of Derek Rose, Obi Toppin, and Emmanuel Quickly has a net rating of 32.9. Ooh. Again, this is a very short sample size. It will definitely change, but like looking at all of the the Derrick Rose and Emmanuel Quickly lineups, I mean, every single net rating, the one, two, three, four, five, six of them are all positive. Yep. And you don't necessarily need to see that to know what they've been able to accomplish together. And um, it's it's nice to see that they can work together because again. Before the idea of a Rose trade, it was like, well, you can start him in quickly because he's an upgrade over Alfred Payton. And now it's like, well, 
if this is his role and if this is who he's able to play off of, and this is the kind of offense we're seeing, and especially in transition, then that's okay. You know, have the minutes be higher. That's that's I we still want to see him play. It just doesn't have to necessarily be starting. So making that addition has been a really nice um, way for quickly to grow. And um, what didn't didn't uh, Ian Bagley also tweet? Yes, yeah, yeah he, he said um, they've been together for fifty nine minutes, and the Knicks have outscored their opponent by forty two points. Yeah, and, and Derek Rose amended quickly. So that's um, that's a great start, no matter what. And I'm sure the second unit. I don't want to say it could beat the first unit because it couldn't, but uh, it'd be competitive. I think, I think they'd give them a run for their money. Yeah. And, and you know, look, quickly is averaging 19.2 minutes this year. Um, it's only going to go up. Like, I, I you're not going to find many, many people who would be like, oh, like demanding. He, like, James Wiseman was the second pick in the draft. He's averaging 20.9 minutes. Tyrese Maxey put up 40-something points for Philly already this year. He's averaging 17.2. Sadiq Bey, who's who's playing for Detroit, a Detroit team that's going absolutely nowhere, is averaging 19.1. Desmond Bain is helping the, the Grizzlies every night. He's averaging 22.8. Like, this is what, like, rookies average. I mean, it just, it, it, it is what it is. Um, I'm and sure, I though, want- if, if we saw better talent in front of him, then, yeah, know, and there would be and less- that's- less claim to it, but, but that's the other thing. Getting Rose in the building also kind of stifled that claim. You don't, you don't see too many people saying, and I'm not saying that they don't believe it, but you don't see as many people saying start Emmanuel quickly because we're realizing that he's got a good thing going with Rose in the backcourt and off the bench. So and you could still play him. You could decide it, it, it takes the, it, it gives Tibbs the ability to be like, I could still play Emmanuel quickly 30 minutes tonight. If I want to, if he really has it going, if he's looking like a rookie and he's struggling a little bit, then it's going to be closer to 15 minutes, you know, whereas if he starts him, then all of a sudden it, it, it's kind of a different situation. I just want to say really, really quickly and quickly, there are um, one, two, three, four, five, six rookies averaging over a 20 usage rate um, uh, who have played, just looking at rookies who have played over 15 minutes a night and um, have played at least 10 games. Um, here are the true shooting percentages for each of them. So quickly, by the way, is number one in that category. He's 26.5 usage. True shooting percentage of 56.4. Wiseman, who, by the way, is a center, um, second in the that usage, 54.8 true shooting. So worse than quickly. Anthony Edwards, first pick in the draft, 47.8 true shooting, um, almost 10 points below quickly. LaMelo Ball, Probably the front runner for rookie of the year right now. Fifty four point eight again below quickly. Tyrese Maxey, the aforementioned um, fifty one point three true shooting, and then Cole Anthony um, is the only other one above a twenty usage. Forty six point nine true shooting. So um, Emmanuel quickly has a higher true shooting than all of those people, um, which is um, not bad. And and just for shits and giggles. The, um, Tyrese Halliburton does have a 63 true shooting. Tyrese Halliburton's really good. Um, yeah, he's been playing nicely. Which is a good transition to Obi Toppin. Got a nice dunk at the end of the game last night. Had a few other moments. Hit a three-pointer. Um, I'm not worried about Obi. I think Obi's going to be... I, I, this is yet another week where I'm going to get on here and be like, I'm not worried about Obi Toppin. He's taking his time. That's okay. Yeah, it's you fine. Know, if, um, if Julius Randle weren't Julius Randle, I think we could maybe be a little bit more concerned, but... Julius is holding down the fort to such a degree that Obi Toppin is confined to a role and he just has to work in that role and he's naturally going to get better over time. 
and he's getting the reps and the attention with especially Derek Rose that that needs to be there. And I, I think even in the I've noticed in this post game, uh, he's he's done a much better job. You can every time I see him work in the post, I think back to the article about Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Kenny Payne mm-hmm. and how Anthony Davis came to Kentucky and he had no post game and he just he worked on it. And Kenny Payne was the reason why. And it's hard not to see that coming together with the Knicks and, and Obi Toppin. Um, he just looks more confident. He's, he's, there are times where he's very acrobatic and maybe to a fault, but you can see the, the gears start to, to move a little bit, and he's, he's just doing a better job in the role he has. Yeah, completely agree. All you're looking for is signs every game, and we're getting signs. Um, we had some Kevin Knox minutes last night um, against Houston. Shout out to him. Situational Kevin Knox. Situational season, yes. Situational season. And then um, last, you know, we haven't – we've only mentioned his name once or twice this episode. R.J. Barrett's struggling a little bit right now. Um, he is maybe forcing a little bit about around, the, around the rim. Um, the shot is – did he? I think he hit a three, though, last night. Um, or maybe it was against Washington. He had a three at some point in the last couple of games. Um, I, you know, he's, he's 20. He's, he's still 20. I think we forget. He's, I forget he's 20 sometimes when he has these great stretches and he had a really, really, really great stretch of games for like a, most of the season until these last couple. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's tough because these are the moments where you have to remember that development is not linear. Always guys, it's ebbs and flows. So yeah. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about RJ Barrett, but he's in a little bit of a down period, but that's okay. It's fine. Right. I would say it's uh, a, it reflects well on the Knicks to this past week. He's I'd say the last four games he's had have been down, but if you look at those four games and how either close they've been against a good enough team or how they've been blowouts against not great teams, it's nice to see that it doesn't fall on the shoulders of a 20 year old to save this team. It's there's talent around him that can, that can pick up the slack for when he struggles and, you know, other guys are going to struggle while he thrives. And you know, it's, it's a constant push and pull, but if you are in a situation where everything clicks, I mean, that's obviously what you are hoping for, but the opportunity to say like, all right, RJ is being, he's not, he's, he's just having down games. He's in a slump. That's okay. We can pick him up. We can, do a better job and we can still get the win. So um, again, yeah, I, I am also really not worried um, because he's, you know, he, it's more the consistency that I'm, and I don't even want to say I'm worried about it, but it's a concern where he's just, he, he's very streaky in his nature. So hopefully he's not quite moving forward and he's working out the kinks. And um, I have no doubt that he will be able to get back onto a consistent track. It's just then, is he having multiple get down games? Is he just, you know, up and down every other game? How's it going to work? That's what I'm curious about. Um, and we should note RJ Barrett has played now with this weekend's games, 84 career NBA games. So he has played a little bit more than a season. Um, I actually want to give a shout out to intentionally or otherwise the Knicks for like, this is how you develop a player. Accountability remains high at all times. He still needs to defend. He still needs to make the right play. You give him the opportunity to succeed. If he's not succeeding in the offensive end, it doesn't completely kill you because you're not giving him more than he could handle. Um, Had a rough game against Houston, only took eight shots. Didn't need to force it. So I think like 
we, we constantly talk about like, how do you develop? Like, what's the right line to toe? I think they're, t- it's like culture. You know, when you see it, I think they're developing RJ Barrett just fine. Um, okay. Last thing before we get out of here, we are recording this on a Valentine's day. Um, I have, I have loved this team since I was 10 years old. Um, I have had many individual loves in, in my, in my Knicks history. I texted you about an hour ago. I'm like, let's each give our top one or two or three, um, like, you know, Nick loves over the course of our lives. And I was thinking about this and I, I struggled with it because it's like I, I was around for Patrick Ewing. So I just, do I say Patrick Ewing number one? But that's, that seemed disingenuous. So I feel like it has to be more like someone that just hit you in that weird way that you can't really fully explain, um, you know, and a few names came to mind, but I, I want to turn to you first. Do you, is there one or two names that you want to, you want to shout out as like, you know, your, your Nick Valentine's day shout outs. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think who to start with. Um, I'll start with uh, from the last really good team. One of the only really good teams I've ever seen in Nick's history. Um, I'm going to give a, a happy Valentine's day to um, the goat Pablo Prigioni. Um, Just that type of player who's able to make the subtle plays really get under uh, his opponent's skin on the defensive end. He's just, he was so, um, I'm trying to think what the, what the perfect word to describe him. He was a pest. There's like a, there's a, that's a, I was say, he, there was a peskiness to him yeah. that was just so admirable. And to come to the league at what, 36, 37 years old and still make that kind of impact and be in so many ways the glue to a very good team uh, that should have gone further, but we won't talk about that. Um, you know, it's a shame that he wasn't able to continue here. Uh, that you know, I mean, of course, rebuilds happen, and and he was dealt. But I I wish him all the best in Minnesota because I that team is just absolute garbage. And um, <laughs> so I, me, it is. But I, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be. They just they need a new coach, uh, and that's a start. And maybe a new front office, and then maybe clean house, and then maybe rebuild. It doesn't matter. Um, but yes, I, I'm gonna say Paolo Prigioni is the the number one player, Nick, in my heart in recent years. I'll give, oh, as my daughter peeks her head out. I'm going to give two shout outs for that team, two Valentine's Day shout outs. One is, have you ever had a, actually, I, I shouldn't ask you to air your dirty laundry on this podcast. I was going to say, have you ever had a relationship where it was really, it was a dysfunctional relationship all the way through, but you still have fond memories of it? Do you have any of those? Um, No. Wow. Okay. There was one that it just, no. Okay, I have I have one that was both dysfunctional, but I'm like I remember it fondly. Um, so happy Valentine's Day! Shout out to Jr. Smith. Um, and then uh, there are the relationships that, like, you know, they were. It's like a movie where there's never any real. There's nothing like you. Nothing ever really bad happens. Nothing's ever really at stake. Um, it's mostly just like a feel good story. Um, which like the, the, the emotional gravity isn't there, but you still enjoy it because it's a good time. And uh, for, for that um, analogy, I'm going to go happy Valentine's day to Steve Novak. Um, and just, just two more for me. I got to give one to Jeremy Lynn uh, 10 year anniversary, right? 
Um, crazy. It's been 10 years. My goodness. Um, especially at Valentine's day, right? The, 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 uh, the, the shot against Toronto. God, crazy. That that was 10 years ago. Um, so happy Valentine's day to Jeremy Lin. And then last but not least is a guy that I don't even know if you know who this is. Do you know who Anthony Bonner is? It's okay. I don't think there's no reason you should. He averaged five points a game. If that on the, on, he was on the Knicks for two years, um, in the mid nineties, but for whatever reason, 10, 11 year old me, when I watched those mid nineties, Knicks teams, he came in and he's like, I'm trying to think of a, a comparison. He was like a much less talented version of Anthony Mason. If I, if that, that's probably the best comparison. And um, I could look up his stats right now, but it's not even worth it because he was just, he was a, t- he was not a good player, but he, he just came in and he always seemed to try really hard. And like, whenever I think back to those, mid nineties teams, Anthony Bonner is the guy that like comes to mind. It's like, man, I really love me some Anthony Bonner. So uh, happy Valentine's day, Anthony Bonner. Any, any other Valentine's day, Nick shout outs for you? Yeah. I'll, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll give two more. Um, okay. I'll say the first one is uh, happy Valentine's day to Mr. Landry fields. Of course. Um, you know, love. Jeremy Lynn doesn't happen if not for Landry fields couch. Need that we couch. Have to keep that in mind. Um, yeah. Just, the talk about, you know, a player who came out of nowhere, you, you find a late pick in the second round or mid pick in the second round, um, had a nice little uh, dalliance with him, went off and he was rookie of the month for a month. Um, I have this really fond memory of, God, it must, must have been like, it must have been 2011. It was probably 10 years ago, uh, January 2nd, 2011, where uh, we had the Knicks play the Indiana Pacers and I went with a friend of mine. How do you remember this date? I just, I'm really good with dates for the most part. Uh, God bless. Long, long-term memory, I'm really good at. Short-term, I'm not as good at. Um, you know, but I just remember Landry having a really fun game and my friend and I uh, were, were waiting outside to see the fans and Landry Fields comes out of the car with his girl and we, like, we just chased, we ran with the car and Landry Fields just <laughs> laughing hysterically uh, and saying what's up to us. And, uh, you know, it's just like, those kind of moments where as a young fan, it's just like you like seeing players care about you. And uh, it, was, it was just really, it was really nice to see. It was, it was like a very short um, ephemeral moment in time for both That's of us. Great. Cause his career went downhill, unfortunately. And unfortunately, then, you know, you grow up and you become less uh, enamored with and infatuated with, with players and you just, you get more mature about it. And I'd say the, the, the last one I'll say is of course, uh, um, Mon petit prince. I was about to say we have we have to both we have to listen again. He's obviously a very controversial player for a lot of fans, and I just I guess it's a sort of thing where when you look at what you want him to be, just literally a a a Swiss Army knife off of the bench who can give you fifteen minutes of action, can defend some of the opponent's best players, and do it at a good job. And as we're hoping to see when he's able to come back from this knee injury. Uh, is just like knocking down the threes that he was hitting very early in the game. So, or very early in the season, excuse me. So, uh, you know, again, like you, you want to see the players that you have drafted thrive because it shows that there's a process involved. And for a dude who has lasted this long, you know, no matter what happens to him at the trade deadline or in free agency or whatever, he's lasted this long. Uh, he's, he's outlasted you know, so many executives and coaches that yeah. uh, it's, it's just remarkable to be able to do that. I don't know what secrets he has, but they must be plentiful. 
uh, that or he's just so goddamn beautiful that they don't want to trade him because who wants to be the guy who traded away Frank Nielakina? So um, I me. hope he gets better. Couldn't be me. No, definitely not me. Uh, again, like when you look at the photos that the Knicks have have posted of him, the knee brace looks big. I think a lot of people have thought he's out of the rotation because he's a situational player. Uh, he might be, but it's also you also have to consider the fact that it might just still be injury, and he's having to come back from that. And so, you know, very curious to see how the front office addresses him, what his interest in the league is, if they're just willing to trade him for even a, a late second round pick, or if they'd rather just hold on to him at that point and sign him to a cheap contract. I don't know, but he's still on this team right now and I love him and uh, I hope he stays and uh, happy Valentine's Day, Frank. Happy Valentine's Day, Frank. You have represented um, a flickering candle amidst the darkness over the last several years in our hearts. Um, So we thank you for that. Even if it doesn't happen here, um, we will always have, we'll always have Paris. (laughs) <laughs> honestly as you said flicker and candle it kind of came to mind where it's like where we talked about candles what maybe a podcast or two podcasts ago frank is i think his new nickname should be the menorah because oh, wow. like the maccabees he's just last that oil's going baby it's it's going non-stop it does not burn out I, I mean, I, you, you've once again left me. He's speechless. the menorah. That's He's okay. The, the menorah. Uh, yet another nickname, nickname for Frank. Well, this was fun. Um, definitely a worthy expenditure of time away from our significant others on Valentine's Day. <laughs> menorah. Um, Jeremy, anything from you before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think uh, I think that'll be all. It's oh well, we gotta we gotta do our our progress. Well, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, no, our, our, our yeah our, our predictions. So are we? So we're not doing the next 10 games. We're just doing this week, right? Correct. And okay. by the way, it's, uh, I mean, you won no matter what, cause you had two and one, but uh, I was this close to, to being three and oh, if I had decided to go that direction instead of one and two, cause the heat with that heat game, I mean, yeah, but you so, picked one and two. I right? did. I'm just right. But, but that's why I was showing you like why I wouldn't pick three and oh, because it took that yes. much for it to just completely stink it up. But this is, um, this I, is I'm okay true. with losing that. That's all right. I can live with it. Sometimes losses are wins. That's true. Um, okay, so we got a uh, we got uh, we got three games. Mm-hmm. No, wait, we do have to. Pi- no, no, we don't. Well, they'll have played thirty-one games when we record our next podcast. Yeah, because the Clippers screwed us over. Because the Clippers oh. played that game and we had to push it back one more. Okay, so whatever. We'll make our next. We'll, we'll 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 predict for the rest of the first half of the season when when we do next Sunday. But for right now, um, it is up to me to pick this week, which is home um, tonight Monday um, for you listening uh, versus Atlanta. Then on the road uh, to Orlando after a day off, and then two days off, and then uh, that's Saturday. Um, San Antonio at home, which kicks off a five-game um, homestead. Hmm. I'm having notions, Jeremy. I'm having notions. Are you now? I am having notions. But I'm gonna go. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the door open to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you on I'm a not, silver no, platter. I'm not gonna take it. I'm, no, I'm no. going. I'm, I'm gonna go two and one. Okay. Wait. There there are four games. No, Sun, the next game, the, the three games, Monday, Atlanta, Wednesday at Orlando, 
Saturday, San Antonio home. The game after that is Sunday night, which we'll record. Oh no, we we don't we may record after that. We have in the past. We have in the past. So then, okay. So then, versus Minnesota at home. Oh wow! Now I really have notions. All right, three and one. Two and two. I was yeah. thinking three and one, but I I mean, I'm not. I was go thinking three and zero oh. oh for the for the. Okay, so I okay three and one for me, two and two for you. This is gonna be interesting. Yeah, this is gonna be very interesting. It's the magic or magic, I feel like could be a trap game to a slight extent. And like kudos to the Knicks for even having a trap game on their schedule. Um, but that idea of where you know because the magic went into Sacramento, and of course Sacramento didn't have De'Aaron Fox, so that could have been a huge factor. But they played really well in the backs of Vucevic, and I'm really curious how the Knicks are going to match up against him because even with Mitch, they would struggle against him. But without him, I mean, are we going to see Taj minutes? Is he going to be the bruiser who's who's setting up against Vooch? Because that's that could be pretty brutal. Or Noel, who doesn't I have mean, that core strength to to keep up with him. So, uh, and the Spurs are a good team. So, um, well, just, I, I think you'll win. But I, I I feel good about two and two at the same time. I, I too net, have notions, John. Yeah, we all have notions, Jeremy. The net ratings. This is uh, cleaning the glass. Net ratings over the last two weeks: Orlando twenty seventh, minus ten point seven. Um, do, do, do. Atlanta twenty eighth, um, minus twelve point four. Minnesota twenty first, minus one point three, and then San Antonio sixteenth. Uh, plus 1.1. By the way, the Knicks net rating over the last two weeks, ninth in fucking basketball, plus 3.5. Give give the man coach of the year right now. Give Leon Rose executive of the year. Give us podcast of the year. Give yourselves a pat on the back for fans of the year. This is this is a this is one for all of us. Um, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will be back with you for another episode very soon. Um, don't forget, look out on your streams for the 300th episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming up later this week. I've teased this already. You're gonna want to listen to this one. It's good. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Rate, review, subscribe, the whole thing, and we will uh, talk to you soon.